You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. Hey, Emily. Welcome back. Oh, hello again. Yes, if you, if you we, we don't know how many episodes this is in the future, but on episode 17, we had Emily, the backcountry nurse on our show, and she was at our house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now we're at her house. And if you hear a little bit of squeaking in the background, it's because she has a lovable dog, Zoe. Yes. With squeaky toys. With little like tip taps of her little toes. Although I think she just died, so it's okay. Yeah, she's (laughs) asleep. She had a big day. She got groomed today and she hated that. Every second of that. I I hate it too. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not true. You like it when I shave your head. Well, until until the clippers. You get all, all, it's almost like an emotional thing for you. You Well, because it's, it's a, a nurturing, pr- it's a primate grooming thing. Yes, that's true. You know, she picks it's like, a, it's picks like the all monkeys. the picks all the bugs out of my fur. <laughs> <laughs> Eats them. Yeah, that that's how monkeys socialize. So you yeah. know, it's a beautiful thing. It's yeah. nature. Yeah. But uh, our first episode with you, we talked about sort of your adventures mm-hmm. and how you fit adventuring with your career. Uh, uh, for those who didn't listen, yeah, shame on you. But uh, we'll just quickly recap. You're a ER nurse, mm-hmm. and then when you're not ER nursing, you're at adventuring. I'm anywhere else, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I uh, I actually just finished up my um, job at the hospital I was working at because we are shortly moving out to the West Coast for a bit and trying, you know, trying life out there. It's very fortunate when you work shift work in a hospital is that you can, you know, sh- switch shifts with people you can you know make time so that you have like two three weeks off you just you know the couple months leading up to and after that you don't leave the hospital because you're working so much so you kind of burn yourself that way but um yeah it's a really it's a really good system that uh nurses and healthcare staff or anyway are able to have so that we can kind of do longer stints or go more often or what have you so yeah that's kind of cool because we were we were talking Catherine and i about uh, you know, we're always hearing about people who just like are workaholics, mm-hmm. but this structure allows you to have that, you know, essentially work hard, play dirty, which is what we talk about. You know, it's like when you're working, you work your ass off mm-hmm. um, and then you fuck off for a while. Yeah. So like in 30 days, you'll be working, say, like 20 or 21 but keep in mind, those are 12 hour shifts. So it's not like your regular nine to five. And it's also very physically and mentally demanding. So it's not like you're just like sitting there and not like doing anything or, you know, photocopying for eight hours or whatever. I don't really, I've never had an office job, so I don't really know what they do. <laughs> <laughs> I've, only, I've only ever worked what like, what do they do? I don't know. Honestly, I just picture like looking at memes and like sending each other memes <laughs> and, and buying then, stuff off Amazon and buying stuff off Amazon. <laughs> check and your then, Facebook account. Check your Facebook and go, then you go to lunch. Yeah, and then you go to lunch, and that's yeah. Because yeah. the first half, like half three quarters of an hour, is coffee mm-hmm. in the morning. Yeah, and you, you got, like you a red break or whatever. Yeah, yeah you yeah. got to <laughs> talk, drink your coffee, check your emails. Yeah, talk about like the strategic vision or something because that's the <laughs> yeah. corporate thing. The mission. The mi- oh, missions are big. The important. mission statement. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Catherine works in the corporate world, so maybe <laughs> she knows. It's funny. Yeah, I've uh, never worked. It's there, all true. So. <laughs> 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 you know. You it's get totally you, you have you have me. like a productive half hour a day. Yeah, that's a, that's a they eighty twenty rule. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that's pretty good. That's like two hours, one and a half hours of like solid work, and then the rest of it you can just fuck off. 
I know when, you know, you get, as long as you get your work done, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if we do that in the hospital, people die. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing it's frowned upon. <laughs> you know, you have a meeting with management. So we, we thank you for uh, not treating your job like uh, you're working in the corporate world. No. Like office space. Yeah. Any, anybody, no anybody? offense to anyone working in the corporate world. I just, I don't know what you do. It's yeah. a big mystery to me. You know. Well, that, that's sort of where we'll, we'll segue into what this episode is about. Because mm-hmm. the first one was, you know, sort of about Emily. This one's about what she does for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about like first aid and medical issues mm-hmm. in the backcountry. Because mm-hmm. uh, nobody better to talk to than somebody who would be the person, if you got a stick through your head, who would like stabilize you when you come in and look after you. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. You ever have somebody with a stick through their head? No. Uh, I've never had any like very traumatic head wounds like that. Leg wounds? And like often like if there's a car accident, people will come in with like open fractures. So essentially like the bone is poking through or oh, a piece wow. of the bone. So you've seen that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Tons. And you're like, oh, that's not supposed to look like that. I don't think that feels very good, sir. <laughs> but yeah, often. No, nothing sticking out of their body. So like nothing impaled. It's not like that Grey's, I think it's a Grey's Anatomy episode when it's like two patients and they're both impaled on like a steel guard. Oh, I saw that. And they're like, one's going to die if they're not going to. Yeah. And then he's like, save her. And then he dies. And then she, I think, dies too, maybe. Or maybe not. If anyone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> don't ruin it. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do any spoilers on like a 10 year old show. It's yeah. more like 20. <laughs> I don't think it's that old. It is It's old. pretty old. Oh. Like it's yeah. not like ER old because that show was amazing, but yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with being out in the uh, wilderness and all that, did you ever take any wilderness first aid or? Um, Ryan and I both looked into it um, because that, like that's essentially combining a love of like because we both really like our jobs yeah. when we're very blessed to actually um but ryan and i both looked into uh, a couple wilderness courses i want to say one is in montana or something like oh, yeah? that there was like a whole there's a company that does them um and we looked into doing them like this past year just mm-hmm. so this is essentially two years ago um but with his schedule we weren't able to do it so now that he's done residency we might actually have time to cool. like be able to do that. Cool. Cause you could be those like cool people that could drop that of helicopters for people. Those are um, like flight nurses and flight paramedics. That's a whole oh, yeah, other. A... Oh yeah. I've, I thought about that and I was like, what do well, I do after we, I merge? Did we tell you about that? Mm-mm. Oh yeah. What? what? Go ahead, Catherine. Yeah. This was yeah. just recently. So we on the, um, my holidays, uh, we went with my kids uh, up North. I went a couple of places, but we wound up at Queen Elizabeth Wildlands. Mm-hmm. So 11.45 PM at night where we are just, you know, the kids were asleep. We were out on the peninsula, just enjoying the stars. They were beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we see these lights. We're like, Oh, that's creepy. Like what, what are people doing out here? And they're quite bright. There was about five of them. Mm. But then you started to hear a radio, which is good because it didn't sound more legit. I heard a woman's laugh. So I'm like, okay. It's, it's it's no one's gu- being murdered. It's only yeah. guys that can be creepy. Although statistically, <laughs> that's true. That's objectively yes. <laughs> true. And then, uh, yeah, they got into a rowboat. So I thought we were going, they're going to the hunter's camp because that exists there. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they went around the bend and this helicopter comes in with searchlights or like, look like something from the Vietnam. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this action going on. So we're like, you know, turning turning on our lights on and off to let them know we're here. In other words, if you need something, yeah, yeah, let yeah, us know. <gasps> Nothing. Yeah, they were doing that for a good 45 minutes. And yeah, then circling. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, the weird. Area. So we're like, what's going on? Because we had passed a bunch of people, so we could, you know, somewhat be helpful as mm-hmm. to what we know. Next thing we know, a few days later, there was a search um, search and rescue. They answered, responded to a non-life-threatening call. And I guess... Um, yeah, the people, the people who were walking and then took the rowboat out were paramedics from Lindsay, who had come up like more than an hour, then made their way into the backcountry. Yeah. When the search and rescue helicopter from Trenton, like it's like a Canadian military chopper with Sartex, and it dropped out of because it was doing this like search circle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it dropped out of the sky behind the peninsula, like across the bay from us. We couldn't see them, right? You could hear it, but you couldn't see it anymore. Well, it turns out they were dropping uh, a couple of technicians. What? And then when the rowboat, then the chopper went up and then just it flew away, uh, and then there was. Only three people, people in the robot. instead of five. Right? And it was like, oh, that's kind of weird. So we yelled out, everything okay to the people in the rowboat? And they're like, yep. <laughs> and it's like... And you're like, so is somebody dead? <laughs> well, we, we thought it was maybe at that point... Uh, like a training uh, exercise. A training exercise. On a Monday night, like, you know, it's a good time to I do guess, that yeah. people, right? But no, it's something real. Yeah, a couple of days later, you know, when we did the Google search, it was in the newspaper. Oh. Uh, and somebody, somebody who had... They they said somebody was ill. Like, so who the fuck knows what that means? It's like yeah. shedding their pants to the point that they can't move. I think for this whole episode, if we could just uh, talk a bit about the kind of things that can go wrong. Um, like, I've learned very quickly, I guess, dehydration. You've learned that. You've experienced it, I guess, probably several times. Yeah. And, <laughs> and through my keto diet, I've experienced what brain fog is like and how stupid you can get. So, which then causes you to maybe stumble and hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. And or make bad choices. Mm-hmm. Being exposed to the weather, the elements, hypothermia, could, you know, ticks. Thankfully, knock on wood. I've never had a uh, tick bite. Never seen a tick on me. Um, oh, but I pulled one off my arm before. Have in you? my apartment in Cambridge. What? Yeah. I, you damn dog. I, I know. Fucking animal. I love her to death, though. Huh. She's so cute. No, I was like, I just got out of the shower and I was like scratching my face and I was like, oh, I have a scab. And then I went to like brush it off and then it moved. And then I screamed. I was like, oh. Ticks are the ticks are the grossest. So I got that new yeah. thing that you attach to your keychain to remove the, the tick ticks. Over. Oh yeah, the yeah. little tick key thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a real threat. I saw, actually outside in they have a podcast called uh, Patient Zero. Three episodes all about Lyme disease and ticks and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I'm curious as to I know it's only within 24 to 48 hours that um, you have until it actually starts to set in. Right, because for the first bit they actually just prepare your skin before they actually start feeding. But how long do they actually feed on you for? I don't know. I think it's honestly, I'm not sure. I feel like because I, uh, in order for the lime to like actually make its way into you, if it's one of the tick species that has or ticks that does have um, Lyme disease, I know it does have to feed for 20, 48 hours. But I don't know how long it will actually feed on you. Because I've pulled one off of Zoe before, and it was, like, easily the size of, like, the nail on my pinky. Oh, my God. Which I was like, oh, what's is this, like, a skin tag? And then it once again moved. But it was like that. It almost looked like a light brown, waxy, bulbousy like, growth. But then you could see, like, the little legs. And I, oh, ticks are, like the worst i will take spiders over ticks any day ticks well because uh, a spider might bite you but it it's might not, but it's not going to dig in your skin no they're not going to feed off you no, we don't really have those brown recluses up here so uh, 
I think do we, we do? might actually. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we do. Maybe listeners will correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I don't think they're like super common. Well, thankfully not because I don't see spider bites a lot. But um, <laughs> there are. I'm pretty sure there are brown recluse, recluse, recluse. The round ones. Yeah. The angry round ones that will hurt you. Yeah, because you you turn yucky. Yeah. I've seen some, yeah, because somebody, when I was working in Listable, somebody's aunt got bit on the foot by one and her foot turned all like black and necrotic and they uh, almost had to amputate. We saw like a photo montage of like day one, day three, and it got better. Yay. But um, yeah, they were talking about taking her foot. So That sucks. Yeah. So maybe knock out your boots before you put them on. Yeah. I oh, guess. totally. <laughs> so, so as far as ticks go, mm-hmm. um, suggestions for for tick repelling there's that um once you know the name of it it's permethrin yeah you uh i believe you can get it from your vet well not your vet or you can just cross into america and buy it for human beings i just bought some i want you to help me this week and put that yeah no you didn't (laughs) you didn't illegally cross the border with wink with wink you know not approved (laughs) insect repellent no, we are law-abiding citizens. That's right. No. Try to figure out something around <laughs> this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, because yeah, you can get permethrin from... We actually sell it at sale now. Oh, no way. Do you really? But not for people. Oh, for dogs, wink? You wink. I just double winked with both my eyes, but yes, you know I what I meant. Blink. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can get it at vets. You can get it at TSE for horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you just can't get it for people, but you can buy clothing... Mm-hmm. That's already treated with it. Yes. And the Canadian military has been mm. using it on their clothing for years. But yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for the heads up, Canadian military. I'm yep. just getting it now. Because um, like, other than that, it's like light colored clothing so you can see them on you. But like a lot of times they're so small that you, you're like, oh, dirt. And then yeah. like, you're not going to stop every kilometer and check yourself over for ticks. It is pissing right now. It is. Yeah. We made it. We made it. So talk about um, the, the severity of Lyme disease. For those that don't know about it. There's multiple stages. So usually in like early stage, you may or may not get that bullseye rash. You might feel kind of like feverish and like shitty and like your joints might be a little bit sore. Um, But then I believe the symptoms go away. Um, uh, Once it gets to stage three, it's the symptoms are a lot more severe. So you can get um, like chronic all over pain. You can get neurological symptoms. Um, It can vary greatly I, th- I think it depends i don't know if it's like a, the the system that it affects or if it's just dependent on if there's like different strains of lime because not necessarily everything goes to like a disseminated lime or a stage three so yeah. um yeah i'm not really sure just don't get lime yeah and i yeah. guess the big thing too it's like if you do even suspect Go to your doc get and get your antibiotics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It takes about a month from what I was listening to. I was listening to this today, mm-hmm. and for some people, I mean, it can lead, it could certainly lead to death. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If you do get one, they say to try and keep it mm-hmm. if you can. Um, I just bought from um, from my uh, outdoor store uh, a little tick removal, like a, a tick key, a tick key. Yeah, and it has a measuring little uh, measurements on it, so you can do you can you know take the measurements of it. But it's always good to take it in to get it checked to make sure. Yeah, because they can test them for Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot more cost effective, I think, and a lot more the sensitivity is better until it like progresses maybe to a later stage of Lyme disease that the the test is more sensitive with the tick itself. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and, and that's sort of one of those things too. It's interesting because, uh, like five years ago, it, it it seems like the Canadian medical system didn't even acknowledge that Lyme disease was in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just—it was hard to get treatment. Yeah. There are big yeah. issues about that. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about that, and uh, a lot of people were concerned. Uh, I think it's interesting to know, how, you know, where do they um, kind of hang out? And I think it's in, like, grass. Yeah, it tends to be, um, like, longer-ish grass, but it can be, like, really anywhere. Any kind really of brush. Anywhere. Yeah. Any brush on, like, any animal, yeah. anywhere. Yeah, They'll find you. Even your dog. No, your dogs tend to dog. carry ticks more often. And um, Zoe, because she has really long, it's really thick fur, especially yeah. in like, but the one I actually I pulled two off of her. The first one was like right on her chest mm-hmm. that had been feeding for a while. And then there was one like right on the meat of like her, her jaw muscle mm-hmm. that wasn't like feeding for very long. But um, honestly, they can be, they pick a, the juicy spot. A lot of times it'll be uh, places that won't, they won't get like pulled off of very easily. So they won't be in like the armpits or mm-hmm. anything like that because there's so much friction on skin on skin that it okay. might not necessarily be able to latch well. So that's why they went for the meaty part of her chest and then her jaw because the blood flows there. The odds of her, you know, gotcha. rubbing it off isn't very high. And they say that for humans, they tend to go to moist areas. Usually like like groin, scalp. I know somebody at, when we both worked at sale, um, little Al pulled one off his back. That was apparently huge. Wow. So yeah. do you think, like, on the AT, because they talk about it a lot. Yeah, it's super prevalent there. It's like one yeah. in four hikers end up getting blind disease is or that, maybe bit by a tick. Yeah. yeah. Is it is it just best practice that when you do go backpacking outdoors, you should have some somebody check you, like, all the time? Oh, I, was, I would say, like, every night before bed. Yeah. Everybody get a little nudie. Actually, when we were in Pennsylvania on and our backpacking. Sam had one on her. Yeah, Sam's like, I'm driving my mom van. So... Sam's like, oh, what's this bug? And then Andrew's like, that is a tick. And I have never jammed on my brakes so fast in my life. We were on like this tiny little pencil. Road. <laughs> like not even a shoulder. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Everybody out. We're checking each other for ticks. So we all pretty much got naked and like checking each other's butt cracks. And like there's cars driving by and you're like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> after like multiple days, I think this was like right after we got off the trail. So yeah. we were like uh yeah we hadn't showered yet so we were like four days of like smell and camp smoke and dirt and yeah so i've uh i've gotten pretty nudie in public just to check for ticks and i was like worth it yeah no one had ticks okay yeah that's good yeah so it's basically sam luckily because it was cool out so we all had long clothes on yeah 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 like i always tell my kids not to go into the stay on the trail Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only because of that, but poison ivy. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, you're always concerned. And that's why I just want to start spray my kids' clothes with, um, you know, some kind of bug repellent. Like yeah, permethrin. Because then, then if you, <laughs> yeah, basically if yeah. You, you spray down all your clothes, your backpack, right. mm-hmm. all that stuff with permethrin. And then. It's good for six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks or six washes. Mm-hmm. And then any of your um, exposed skin, um, like if you use a DEET. Uh, uh, insect repellent that yeah. will help keep ticks away as well. Why do uh, people not like DEET? Because it's just uh, highly because it melts plastic and will rearrange your DNA. Yeah, mm. a little bit, just a little bit of rearranging. Like though. A, you know, it's an industrial solvent. Gotcha. Um, but it's, it's not like, great for you. But yeah. Lyme disease is worse. Yeah. The like basically the occasional DEET exposure for for a few days, right? Versus you Lyme know, for your life. 
Lifeline. Yeah. Yeah, because you hear a lot of after effects, even though they've got antibiotics, but people start to... Well, because a lot of times it, it, it's they don't get the antibiotics quick in enough. T- quick mm-hmm. enough. And that's that seems to be the nice thing, because <laughs> I've talked to people in the last couple of years, and now doctors are like, oh, ticks, here you go. Here's your prescription. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's no dicking around, going, oh, you don't have it, da, da, yeah. da. Yeah, now it's, it's like, please don't have Lyme. Please now, take these meds. Yeah, now there's like radio commercials talking about <laughs> Lyme really? disease. That's and, awesome, though. Like, the more... Because yeah. I'm sure, like, all the people that are... Um, living with the effects of it now, like 10 years ago, they're like, I don't know, I don't feel that good. I have this weird rash. Oh, well, I'm going to carry on about my day because you didn't really know about it. Yeah. And now you're like, oh. I was outside. I have Lyme disease. <laughs> help me. Help. Yeah. yeah. So that that I, the fact that they're doing something about it, I think is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was a little slow because maybe just because I was always going down to the States, but mm. like Lyme disease yeah. was on the radar for years. But mm. I would hear about people that got it. Yeah. And their doctors would, you know, they're like, no, I probably have Lyme disease. And it's like, no, 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 you don't. There's a big argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so. It's tough. Yeah. So the fact that we're we're finally on board and you can get permethrin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So So there you go. We're all going in the right direction just slowly. Yes. (laughs) We're getting Um, there. So what do you think of like the most common things we're going to run into? Blisters, chafing, like sunburn, strain sprain, giardia, like Missing toenails. Yeah, that just means you bought shitty boots that don't fit yeah. properly. <laughs> and you should listen to that other episode of ours. <laughs> on how, to, how to fit your footwear properly. The things that can happen to a person like on just like a regular hike or a back country trip or whatever um, are endless. Like, you know, you can step on a branch the wrong way and then like roll your ankle and then all of a sudden you can't wait bear. And you're like two days in the bush and you're like, oh shit, now what do I do? Um, or, you know, you go use the Thunderbox, take a shortcut. And the next thing you know, you've got poison ivy all up your legs, like, or somewhere else or somewhere else. (laughs) If you did not use a (laughs) Thunderbox. Yeah. Don't squat in the bushes unless you're totally sure, you know, you're squatting in. Um, so really like anything, anything can happen. It's just like shitty luck of the draw of how bad it is. The thing that happens to you. Cause it can be, like I said, it, it can be such a range from like, minorly irritating to like potentially life-threatening but it all depends on um yourself the situation the severity um and then just uh the the elements too i guess when i just think about the the things i've run into i've had a bad twisted ankle Mm -hmm. um that's where everybody should hike with hiking poles because they were my crutches getting out yep uh and you know obviously we can talk about other things you can do there um blisters Mm-hmm. bee stings i've had bee stings before i'm not allergic but i've gone 30 years and i've never been stung by anything oh wow yeah i'm no. i'm probably gonna be like horribly anaphylactic but yeah and then you know obviously um scrapes cuts like what to do with the minor stuff that probably everyone here has done probably on every trip yeah um and what to do if you saw through a part of your finger because i did that on one of our Perry sound mm. trips um and basically, the only thing you can do is you're like, oh, like I didn't saw obviously totally through because I still have like the tip of my finger, but it was enough that like it was bleeding at a pretty decent rate. And you're like, I don't really, this isn't bad enough to actually like leave our campsite for. Right. So all you can really do is um, you don't want to use necessarily skin glue, especially if the source hmm. has been dirty. So say you scraped yourself on a rock, like if it, the cut is deep enough, you want it to be able to bleed and 
um, not trap in all that bacteria that's in there initially. Um, so basically what you want to do for that, fun little um, how-to, is any clean, like you can use a sock if the cut's big enough, you can use gauze, just enough that it will, um, once it absorbs enough blood, kind of hold a little bit of pressure on that and make sure you tape it. Not enough that you're going to like cut off all the circulation on your finger, but enough that, you know, once it's, pu it's putting a little bit of pressure on it. So you don't necessarily have to stand there and like hold the bandage on your finger with like your, you know, your hand above your head kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Although it does definitely help if you are able to elevate whatever part of you is bleeding. And just essentially if it's not bad enough that it's like life or limb, or if you really, really don't want to get off the trail, um, just pressure. Don't try to like sew it up or MacGyver anything like that, but and elevate or sear it yeah don't 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 ever do that <laughs> don't cauterize your own wounds that's the takeaway from today don't self-cauterize yeah never never do the thing of like take the gunpowder out of the shell and put it on oh your wound God. and then light it to you know it's, yeah although if anyone's ever done that tell me how that was because i'm curious but also don't do that so um Emily, I'm looking at your, is this what, exactly what you would take with yes. you on a backcountry trip? She's yes. got a uh, first aid kit all spread out. This is, yes, I'm going to take a picture of this for a uh, sister later. Uh, it's a lot, probably more than most people would have. But I also, like, I deal in the business of um, people hurting themselves, doing things that they expected it to go well, and sometimes it did not go well. Mm -hmm. So that's why they come see me. Um the first thing that I have is the my first aid receptacle. So it is a waterproof bag. It's like a little mech one. I feel like it's a liter and a half maybe. Um, so the two things in my pack always that I keep dry is my sleeping bag because, you know, you can have a shitty day hike, everything's soaked, but if your sleep system is wet, that sucks and that's really uncomfortable. Um, and then I have this in a... Um, waterproof or at least it's like water resistant. Yeah, it's, it's a little supposed, dry bag. Yeah, it's supposed to be waterproof. I don't know if it really is all that much. I've never tested it and I don't want to. Probably was when it was new. Yeah, it's a little beat up now. Yeah. Um, because you don't want like your gauze to get wet. You don't want um, like my tensor bandage or my tape or like the medications that I have in like my little contact lens cases to get ruined basically. So... So yeah, we can start uh, start with medications. So for me, I've run into enough times that um, I, in certain instances, I wish that I packed gravel because I am super nauseous or I can't stop shitting. So both of those things are very important to me. Does gravel help with the shitting? I know that. No. It's oh, <laughs> okay. No, it's uh, um, like gravel is just for like nausea um, and then like ammonium or the yeah. um, is the generic name for that. So I usually have a couple kinds of antiemetics. So I have um, some ondansetron. I have some gravel. Um, I think you can, if your gravel comes in like, it has ginger in it, if you really want to get a little hmm. hippy-dippy about it. But um, yeah, 25 to 50 milligrams of gravel. I want to say that's every four hours you can take um, in the backcountry. It will make you sleepy. Or for a lot of people, it does make sleepy. But for me, that's a thing... For my nausea, it wipes it out. Some people it works really well. Some people it does not. And do you find you get nausea? Like what's causing your nausea? Um, usually if I if I have a lot of the dehydrated meals, it like upsets my mm. stomach, upper and lower. So 
Uh, I have to be kind of careful about gotcha. that. Or if um, like we're traveling, because I bring my first, first aid kit pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're traveling by, um, if you tuned into last episode, the uh, bus trip that we took up the mountain in the dark that I had to hold my mouth shut for four hours because I was going to spew everywhere uh, if I opened my mouth. Gotcha. So for me, I get super car sick or super motion sick. So That's good to know because my daughter's super motion sick, um, yeah. sensitive. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I do have it for the car, but I never thought about taking it with me backcountry. Why mm-hmm. not? Okay. Yeah, because if you end up like, you know, you brought some like sausages or some whatever for like a nice little treat your first night mm-hmm. and, you know, you froze them by the time you go to eat them, they're nice and thawed. You put them over the fire, make a spider dog delicious and you eat it. And next thing you know, you give yourself food poisoning. Um, gravel is not going to help with that. But at some point, once the food poisoning or whatever is working its way out of your system, um, it will do enough to help curb kind of the tail end of it. It's the second, you, if you take it in the throes of food poisoning, you'll just throw it right back up. Yeah. Can you talk about food poisoning for a second, like w- with respect to food? And because uh, I'm usually pretty lax about that. So I'm curious. Uh, I'm pretty like, like I wouldn't have thought at what point would you be concerned about something or um, like really if you have food that, has like salmonella, for example, mm-hmm. it's going to have salmonella whether you just got it fresh from the grocery store or if you, you know, froze it, thawed it, ate it in the backcountry because it's something that's just contaminated in the meat regardless. Gotcha. So even if you eat it like fr- right off the farm fresh, you're going to get sick. Huh. Like it's going to get you either way. So no, no, cooking can kill it. No, 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 oh. really? No. So do, I don't think you, so. do you ever take any fresh food? Fresh meat? Do you risk that? Um, we usually go for like the um, cured meats that needs no cured. refrigeration. Okay. It's like the sticks. It comes in like a brown package. Okay. Um, they're delicious. So that's usually like my extent of like fresh or maybe we'll bring some like a couple of apples or something. But I usually, um, my first uh, trip to Algonquin, the person I was with, we um, were very inexperienced and we took a full cooler with like I had like basically pre-made chili in a bag and we had steaks and um the ice was long melted by like day two and then we were there for four days um but it was cool like cool-ish enough in the cooler so we ended up like eating the steaks and they were fine and then we had the chili and it was like kind of fine but we didn't end up getting sick so it's just luck of the draw I definitely wouldn't bring meat into the back country but nobody now. wants to be sick when yeah. they have to backpack yeah, yeah. and they're not Heaving. even done. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. That's yeah. Because I've, I've had uh, some sort of, you know, bug, which the, the when I made it to town, they told me was like a norovirus. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're hiking along, shitting yourself. Oh, this yeah. is when you were Donald Duck with no bottoms. Yeah. Where I just put a <laughs> garbage bag skirt on. So, because luckily it was like pouring rain the whole time. So the fact that you couldn't like literally control yourself at all. And it's like, oh, oh again. You know, you take two steps off the trail, like, oh clenching, and it's like, everything's gone. Oh, my God. That's you know. my worst nightmare. Did anybody yeah. ever catch you in the midst of that? And you're like, hi. A little bit. Yeah. Like, I, the, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> That wasn't your main concern. No. Like, you, you just think you're going to die. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because you're trying to hike along. And you, have cold- emo- you didn't have Imodium on you? I don't even think Imodium would do a whole lot for norovirus. Yeah, but, but like that long ago, like, because we're, you know, we're talking like 26 years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how Modium existed. I don't know. I'd That's never heard question. of it back then. Okay. 
you know, but, uh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, sort of, it's the, the, when your, when your body f- betrays you, it betrays you in a big yeah. way. It's just like evacuate quickly. Yeah. And then it keeps <laughs> trying to save it. the host, but trying to evacuate everything from all ends at the same time. Yeah. It's not cute. I, but wish, I, I wish I had an IV I could have attached <laughs> to my arm to get some hydration in there. Oh, man. You're probably so pickled, just like a dry little sponge by the end of it. Yeah. Like your electrolytes are probably off the charts. Yeah. You know, but either way. Uh, but I, uh, because I was hiking with no pants, I can legitimately say as an adult, I still have not pooped my pants. That's true. And you know what? That's a... Um, that's a proud feat. Yeah. Because some people can't say that. No, I know. I, I can say that. Some people can't. I know. <laughs> I, I know have it. not pooped my pants. <laughs> you peed your pants. Yes. But that's different. <laughs> that was different. Yeah. So other things that I have, I have a couple different um, painkillers. So it's the worst, you know, you're, for me, I have uh, bunions on my feet. So when they ache, it's just the worst. Some people, if you have like bad joints or you have a headache or you like, pinch your hand and nothing's broken but like it's really throbbing um for me it's always been important to have a couple different kinds of pain control that you can take together so it's not just a you know mm-hmm. i can take this or i can take this kind of thing if you need to you can take one or the other or you can take both at the same time to try to double up on your pain control um a lot of times our uh, tylenol and advil also work as a um fever reducer so if you are ill on the trail, um, a lot of times this can help bring your fever down so you're not feeling um, like 110% garbage. You'd be, maybe be only be like 105. So um, for me, a nice little container. I like um, I just got some like contact lens cases at the dollar store and filled them with like ibuprofen. I've got um, Tylenol, which you can take separately because they're different classes of drugs. Um, I think I also have some paracetamol, which is in the same um, category as Tylenol. It's basically just like a fancy Tylenol. Um, oh, I also have some buscapan, some um, Peruvian buscapan, which helps for vomiting as well. Because the my guide, when we were in Peru, gave it to me because um, he took pity on this me. This isn't the, the camel piss. What? The donkey piss. No, the condor piss. Right. No, that was the second time I got. Um, oh, okay. This is the first time when we got to our camp. I feel like it was the first day and it was like, Oh, this is so nice. And we were coming down the mountain. I don't know if I told you guys a story. Yeah, you did. Oh, did I? Yeah. But I think our listeners should hear it. Yes. So, uh, basically we're like, we summoned in the mountain. We're like, Oh my God, this is so nice. And then we're coming down and we like stop and take a rest, maybe like a kilometer and a half. And you can see where our camp's going to be like across this fairly flat area. And it's like raining and it's super nice and you're in the mountains and it's super magical. And then we sit down and then I'm like, Ooh, I don't feel good. Like, I don't feel, I don't feel good right now. I started getting really bloated and like having some gut pain. And I was like, oh no, like Ryan and I just started dating. I was like, oh no, I hope I don't have to poop. Like, (laughs) and then by the time we get to camp and I was like, oh, Ryan, like something's not right. And he's like, oh, is it your appendix? I was like, fuck if it is like (laughs) the only way that you're getting off of this mountain is strapped to the back of a horse like going up and then down again. So like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then the more I'm like laying in my sleeping bag with like huddling around this hot water bottle, like rocking back and forth and like Ryan being the like nice new boyfriend he is, he brings me like the cooks had made like soup and he brings me a cup of soup and he just like put it, he unzipped the tent and just like put it in and the smell of it. I was like, get that soup out of here. I was like a demon. I was like, get it away. I'm gonna, that's gonna make me throw up. 
So it turns out that was my altitude sickness the first time. And I had gone to the washroom and I like oh, shit my pants and I got out of the washroom and I was halfway back to my tent and I was like, oh no. And then I turned in between two tents that weren't my tents and like threw everything that I had to eat that day up in be- like between where two people were in their tents and probably asleep. And they had to listen to me just like be the exorcist. Sorry if those people are listening. I don't think they are, but I'm really sorry. They're from Sweden. <laughs> and then, do we have any Swedish listeners? <laughs> we do. <laughs> and then, uh, then I go back and shit my pants again. And then I go to bed and like, I don't think I slept all night because I was in so much pain. And I had asked the guy and I was like, hey, like something's not right. Like, and he's like, oh, you have altitude sickness. Like, you're okay. It's like, I don't think I am okay. Like, I think I'm dying. So he checked my oxygen. It was like 82. And he's like, is there like, what do you want? And I was like, I don't know. Like, can I stop like throwing up? Like whatever. So he gave me a buscapan and then he let me suck on the oxygen for a bit. Um, and then I think I ended up taking some gravel. Yeah. It's just like, you have never wanted something so much more in your life. You're just like, like, like your life depended on it, but you were fine. Um, so I kept it because I didn't actually end up using it. So what does it do? It's just uh, an anti-nauseant again? It also, uh, I think it helps with nausea, if memory serves me correctly, can also help with diarrhea as well. Cause Both I think ends. It, I think so. I think it acts on the smooth muscle mm. in your bod. I'm pretty sure. Cool. So, so I have asthma and I have my Ventolin and uh, it's usually just animal induced, which I took anyway, so it's mm-hmm, all fine. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, do you ever hear about people backpacking and... You know, even though it typically is animal induced, like, requ- like is that something I should always bring with me? Because I don't. Well, there are animals in the outdoors. <laughs> Although, if you're that close yeah. to them that they're in, like <laughs> inferring <laughs> your yeah, allergic a, reaction, then there's some. Yeah, you have. They could be more Pressing problems. No, but um, is that? Have you ever heard of? And sometimes I have had asthma attacks in weird situations. Maybe mm-hmm. smoke, like smoke. Mm-hmm. But even being on a bus once I had an asthma attack, that was Maybe weird. somebody's perfume. Yeah, that, maybe. That can set it off, Horses too. set me off, huh. totally. Yeah, Yeah, but if, if Like smoke if somebody has horse hair on their hands. I, mm. I don't know, but I'm just wondering, is that something that I guess you should just take with you? Because we were kind of talking about this before, of whether or not any of us know any diabetics that go hiking for an extended period of time, or even, like, probably even on, like, a little backpack loop. But the not just any diabetics, because you can be controlled with um, medication, so like metformin, um, or if you're diabetic that doesn't necessarily need to check their sugar every day, then I could picture them being on the trail a little bit, um, I don't want to say less burdened, but kind of a little bit easier than it was if you were insulin dependent. Because that's, like if, Winston, you know, like when you were on the AT, you can eat enough food you could like barely drink enough water for all the energy that you were expending mm-hmm. like i can't picture someone who is insulin dependent um and have to check their sugars and um adjust their insulin dose depending on what their sugar is um i can't really picture them being able to do like the pct or something like that yeah like uh, but it's if anybody anybody is like a type 1 diabetic uh, who is listening you know like Get at s- us. Send us a message. I or, got questions. Yeah, you know because it's all it's one that we started talking about and nobody mm-hmm. had an answer to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know people probably do this kind of shit. They've just probably had to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like because we've never had to overcome that kind of like hurdle or adjust with that challenge. 
Like, I don't even know how you would start. So we're interested. Yeah, I, I have questions. Get yeah. at me. Um, and then the other thing, if like, yeah, any medications you take at home. So like, if you have hypertension, like, don't stop taking your medications. Like, take all of that on the trail. Because I, I feel like the um, medics that are in the area of like the AT or PCT or like the CDT or whatever, this is probably a common thing. Yeah. Actually, one thing that I should have on the subject of people with hypertension and heart issues, um, I don't have aspirin in my uh, first aid kit. Hmm. And that is something that, like, if you have nothing else, if you just want to have, like, the bare minimum, but you're going to be on a, on a trail that's not totally deserted, I feel like the CDT out of the three is less populated. So yes. you're not as likely to, you know, hike with a group of people from, like, start to finish mm-hmm. or even for, like, mm-hmm. a a section um it's a good thing to actually have in like civilian normie life as well so it should be two um chewable aspirin so 100 um 160 milligrams because like somebody starts having chest pain like it's going to be nice that you're like oh i don't really know what else to do here's this and then that actually can help quite a bit yeah when all else feels it's a blood thinner right yeah yeah yeah, because yeah, it's not like you're going to keep nitroglycerin to put under. No, the but at least you can have aspirin, yeah. and then you can be the hero with you aspirin, and you're like, yeah, yeah, there you and go. And they're baby aspirin; they taste good. Yeah, there's. I think they're orange flavored in the hospital. Yeah. They're orange colored, so I can only assume that they're orange flavored. Because like yeah. if it was like you know pineapple or strawberry, it or would really put you off. the amoxicillin banana flavor. Oh, that is the grossest of your, shit. <gasps> what? That is so delicious. But I, I, you, I'm not a big oh, banana man. fan. Period. Oh, that sweet, sweet oh, banana flavor. It's so good. I was mixing it up in the hospital one time and I could smell it. And like all of my childhood memories came flooding back. <laughs> <laughs> of like, I got, I was sick a lot as a child. So I was like, oh, remember that Lullaby time? Music, yeah. It was so delicious. Well, hey, whatever. You know, I just want a different flavor. Give me orange creamsicle. Like I've oh, never had, good. I've never had orange creamsicle, you know, antibiotics, mm. you know, because the, the, that banana, like when I smell it, it's like, oh, fuck. Oh, so good. <laughs> if they make that into like a liquor flavor, get out of here. I would drink that. Okay. That, that actually brings me to a question. <laughs> um, Being hungover? No, painkillers, <laughs> painkillers and alcohol. Mm-hmm. You can take ibuprofen with booze. Correct. But you can't take Tylenol. Correct. Because the um, enzyme that breaks down alcohol is the same one that breaks down the alcohol, so they can it can only do one at a time. Oh, you mean breaks down the, the alcohol breaks the, the, the one that breaks down alcohol breaks down Tylenol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, so we can only do one at a time. So you don't want to end up having like a high amount of acetaminophen accidentally, because that can also cause liver damage um, as well. So, and how much time after drinking alcohol can you take the Tylenol? I think it's like five hours. No, like it, it, as long as the alcohol is in your system, like your body's metabolizing it. So it should ideally be like way, way after you've had your last drink that you would be like beyond sober enough to drive. So just take uh, Advil. And, if you're uh, drinking. If you're drinking ibuprofen. Okay. That's and really and when we're talking tip. about um, pain, and I don't know if you guys have gotten into this in the official medical industry. Hmm. Uh, what about things like CBD oil and there's not enough like actual studies to say it like absolutely helps with this in this dose and this strain because it's so new. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely does help with like pain control. It can help with anxiety. It can help with like sleeplessness and appetite. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. 
My dad took him for his rheumatoid. Other stuff. No, that that was the uh, weed gummies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we were in Nevada, and it's perfectly legal. <laughs> but we were doing a lot of hiking, and we were we had yeah, a, we were rock climbing, and yeah, and and I was quite inflamed in my knees, and mm. all of a sudden I wasn't. Yeah, it yeah. definitely and like that was just a very low dose. Like it was, it was honestly did nothing for me except take away some pain. <laughs> oh yeah, as long as it doesn't have like the is it the THC? Yeah. Oh no, this component? had some of that in it. Too. Oh okay, so you're feeling extra great. <laughs> it's like. I I, I, I really I actually didn't feel anything except the pain was gone. <laughs> like you were just it. really mellow and kind of yeah. hungry. <laughs> yes, that's true. Right? <laughs> Thirsty and hungry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, but I'm just sort of wondering, like, what the, and I guess because it's been illegal, we haven't had time to do the science on it. No, yet. and like they, you can't get funding necessarily for like a technically illegal substance to do like the kind of studies that you need to to certify something as like a medicine because mm-hmm. you have to have like a lot of studies in a lot of different um like centers and with a lot of populations and with a lot of different um illnesses and they all have to be ethical and there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through and to you get have to have double blinds i know that much yep yeah double blind rcts uh so, so if you stay tuned, eventually we might be able to come to you with some data on yeah, I, on, on weed stuff. I'm but be pro- aware you do not want to cross the border with anything yeah, from don't. Canada or the U.S. <laughs> no, don't. that stays don't do that. wherever you get it, use it. Yeah. yeah, gonna have to use it all up there. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Darn. Uh, but that's just a, a curiosity I had as far as mm-hmm. for yeah. as uh, pain killing. I would say, but like. Say you're going to do like the Killarney Loop in Ontario um, and you're like, oh, I'm going to take some CBD oil for, you know, the inevitable back pain that I get from sleeping on my air pad or whatever. Um, Try it out beforehand because, you know, you might put all of your eggs in one basket in that you're like, oh, speed, I'm going to use it. And then you go to use it and it just it doesn't work for you or it doesn't work in the way that you thought it would. Um, So before you, yeah. Always have ibuprofen. Always have ibuprofen. (laughs) But yeah. like definitely pro CBD because my dad had horrible rheumatoid arthritis and he didn't want to take methotrexate because it's a it's a great drug to help with like inflammation and um, autoimmune stuff. But it's just ruins your body and then like all of your body fluids are cytotoxic or the non-cytotoxic. Anyway, they're really bad and he didn't want to do that. And he ended up just doing CBD oil and his arthritis is totally manageable now. And before he couldn't even like get up off the floor after playing with my nephew. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So shout, but shout out to the keto diet. I can't say enough of that. For inflammation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like any of those um, carbs, right? And sugar, what that does for increasing inflammation in your mm-hmm. body. It's pretty big. So uh, what about if you get poison ivy? If you're like, oh, shit, I just rubbed up against poison ivy. Is there anything you can do to deal with that? Um, if you have calamine lotion, sweet. It, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that poison ivy, the thing that irritates your skin is the oil. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, actually a friend of Ryan's, it might've been a coworker, but he was like camping, uh, or he was going on a hike and he realized that he had just gone through a ton of points in Ivy and he's like, Oh shit, I'm really itchy. I'm going to have a hot bath. So he gets in a hot bath and it was probably only all over his legs, but then it was, cause then the oil kind of like in a hot bath percolates through the it water percolates. so you're just marinating in this poison ivy and oil your, and your um pores are open yeah you want to go for and business. take a cold shower and soap it off yeah if you yeah. can like go in like a freezing ass lake and um 
Like or, I don't recommend like rubbing a, it with your hands, no, but, but like, like rubbing a, with a sock or whatever. Like a waterfall because then it yes, washes it away really? from you. Yeah, I always wondered about too alcohol, like uh, hand sanitizer, if that would help evaporate the oils. I had heard about that somewhere. That's a, apply that, that immediately. I'm going to look that up, actually, because yeah. that would be really good for me to know. Yeah, I think that's what they said. And they said that um, the ones that are most poisonous are the young plants because they have they're so rich in oils. Yeah. But what I think is interesting is that poison ivy, um, you know, can be hanging vines, can be bushes. It, it can be a lot Tricky of Tricky little bastards. Yeah, yeah. And they do change color throughout the season. like So it's not just the typical green. So leaves of three, let them be and... <laughs> Run. Just stay on the trail. <laughs> yeah, don't go off trail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's sort of, that's sort of your big one. Stay on the damn trail, people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so let's continue on. Yeah. So Emily, Emily's first aid kit. Yeah. Um, and then I also, this is my like fun little bonus one. I don't necessarily take, I, I just Gaviscon because like I said, when I eat a lot of camp meals, it's just like so high in salt and fat mm-hmm. and it just sits so heavy and I just feel like garbage. So Oh yeah. That's like a I yeah. That. <laughs> so it's a fun little Gaviscon, eh? It's a it know. helps with heartburn if you get especially like when it's super salty. That I just refluxiness. Oh it's the worst. I you're like, that. am I having a heart attack? Like am I dying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why okay. I like being me. Like I don't look good, but I can just eat anything. <laughs> The outer exterior is just battered to shit, but inside, perfectly preserved. You know, Nothing's ever wrong. You know, like, <laughs> not to say that, you know, I never get sick or anything, but as far as, like, I hear people with, like, the heartburns and the acid refluxes, mm. and it's like, oh, I ate too much of this or too much of that, or, cat, you know, it's like, yeah, it's food. It's fine. <laughs> just, I know, feel your pain. Must more. be nice, Winston. Yeah, it is. But I have hair on my back, so this, nature got me back. This is true. Got yeah. you back? You got it. Ah! We're continuing on with drugs. Yeah. So that's just my gravel. More gravel. Um, also, what is a really good idea to have is some Benadryl. Oh, yeah. The drill. The drill. It'll put you in a drill fog after if you're one of the people that like, I'll take a Benadryl and it'll be like, I'm stoned and drunk and like high at the same time. I need to go to bed. Um, but if you have any allergic reaction, um, can also be given rectally if i'm not mucous membranes mistaken yeah mucous membranes and mucous membrane if you really like if you're in a jam like it's not gonna you don't be absorbed quickly but you can put it in your butt uh gravel the diamond hydrate is for nausea diphenhydramine is benadryl so it's for allergic reaction so if you get um like a rash from like a bug bite or something like that um so that'd be that would help it really well. So curious question, and I don't know mm-hmm. if you have the answer to this one, because uh, my daughter, we were in the Adax, and her eyes just started to go red and itchy, and, and her eyes just blew up and had like a film over it. It was brutal. So I tied her hair back, because mm-hmm. I was thinking if there's something in her hair, mm-hmm. keep it away from her face, because it's long. And um, we just stayed away from, she had just walked through the grass, so I figured it was some oh. kind of pollen or something. Yeah, yeah. Benadryl. Yeah, give her so, the drill. Yeah, now she's a child. Um, you can get Benadryl, Benadryl to your dog. Yeah, you can. That's can also you? a great reason of um, why I have in my pack. I feel like for Zoe's weight, which is 70 pounds, she can either do um, 50, 50 milligrams or 25. I had it written down once and then I lost so I guess the paper. you should just check the packaging, eh? Yeah. Because uh, it's not like the ones that you buy in the store isn't branded for pets but you can probably just call up your vet and ask it's like you know my dog it's mm-hmm. x amount like if we're gonna go you know camping what's the dosage for benadryl and like it's the same 
But for children. For children, it'll be on the package. Yeah. I'm not sure. The problem is that you're not always carrying the package. So I think, uh, I guess just keep that in mind what's in your. Yeah. Your you can always write on it as well. So like I have mine good idea. labeled. Um, and I always buy the same strength of medications because like, for example, ibuprofen can come in 200 milligrams and 400, 400 milligrams. And there's a size difference. But like if you're in pain and you're like, oh, my God, give me whatever. And you accidentally take two 400s. It's not the end of the world. But if you do that over the next few days, you can burn a hole in your stomach. You can. Yeah, you're going to give yourself an ulcer. So as long as you um, either write on like the little package that you're putting it in um, or you always buy the same strength medication gotcha. then it's good to you can kind of keep track of it a little bit easier that way what's that that is a um, anti-nausea medication oh gotcha yeah. you have a lot of versions of that i i get really car sick we went on a cruise and i um didn't stop taking anti-nausea medications the whole week which if you've ever mixed alcohol and gravel it's not a good mix um, so you have to like fight through this haze where your eyes are closing, but you're trying to open them. So they're doing that roll back in your head thing. Mm. And people are like, Emily, are you okay? Do you need to sit down? I was like, no, if I sit down, I'm going to fall asleep. I just have to, <laughs> I just have to push through this. And then once you get over the hump, you're fine. <laughs> and you can keep drinking. <laughs> in the meantime, yeah. you look like a zombie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Emily, do you want to sit down? No, no, I don't. Give me well, a drink. Uh, it's funny, <laughs> but back to Benadryl. One of the, the funny things that I learned, uh, you know, this last trip on the AT, yeah, uh, is the amount of people that take Benadryl regularly so they can sleep. How can they have trouble sleeping? I don't know because I never I had have trouble it. sleeping. <laughs> when you're working hard, all no, that but day. but like uh, in real life, I have problems shutting my brain down. Mm. But like on the trail. Hike 20 miles. You have no problem sleeping. Yeah. Yet there's people like... Maybe because there's people snoring? Because they're sleeping in huts? Or you're like, your ears are just listening for like that branch snap and you're like, <gasps> You know what? I think you get to That's a point me. where you just get used to it. Especially if you're that tired. I've yeah. heard stories of people saying, I see you mountain lion, but you know what? I'm fucking going to bed before you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was somebody that was on uh, Backpacker Radio talking about that anyway. Yeah, oh but if you, see, if you see a mountain lion, that's not really what you got to worry about. It's the ones you don't see. Yeah, that's true. You know, they're ambush predators. I know. Um, but yeah, like it turns out that uh, uh, three Benadryls, yeah. good solid eight hours. Oh my God, you, that, I might die. You know. They're usually, well, depends on the, if it's like 75 milligrams of Benadryl, so you take 325s. I mean... It's not going to kill you. But if you took 150, that I, I wouldn't take. I wouldn't oh, no, take I'm, I'm not endorsing this. I'm just saying no, no, it's no. something I observed. Hey, you do you. Do you. Yeah. Just like, be it, aware it, of what you're doing. Because I, I can't think of the last time I took Benadryl because I don't tend to have allergic reactions yeah. to things. Yeah. Um, what I'm wondering is like, would people be taking it because you do get that kind of drunky stone feeling? It, like it it puts you it puts oh, me to sleep anyway yeah so you yeah. kind of get like drowsy and little dopey and then next thing you know you're asleep and then you don't really wake up until it's morning Maybe that's time what they're doing yeah, but yeah. you get For like a solid eight hours but it's like a solid eight hours of like <coughs> semi-conscious yeah, so i don't know if that's soft. really restful Maybe they're yeah. too soft to carry alcohol <laughs> <laughs> oh well so okay. what else you got here? You got um, um, so we got uh, pair of scissors, pair of tweezers, and the coveted nail clippers because mm -hmm. hangnails in the backcountry fucking suck. Um, I have your standard um, absorbent gauze. I have a um, 
Tensor banded. Uh, a couple kinds of medical tape. One's waterproof. One is not. Again, this is... Okay. I, I go a little ham with this. Um, I also have um, the tenacious tape to repair whatever. I You could probably get away with just like a piece of it if you really want to count your grams. But I bring the whole roll because usually if I'm in the back country, then like I've ripped up huge hole in my tent when we were out before. And I was like, Oh, it's okay. I got like all of the tenacious tape in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, obviously little scissors to fix that. I guess if you have a knife too, you don't really need the scissors. So there's lots of things that you can cut out and it would still be a pretty comfortable. You know what you don't kit. have is duct tape. No, I don't have duct tape. I love duct tape. I use it for my blisters and I have it taped around my knife holster. Mm. That's a good idea. <laughs> and electrical tape too. That's a good idea. But I don't have electrical tape. Yeah, whereas I, I actually, uh, I don't have any on right now, but I generally wrap it around my trekking poles. Oh, do you? The duct tape, yeah. Yeah. It's probably yeah. not, and it's sanitary because it's just tape on tape, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as long uh, as your blister's not cut open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's just, uh, anyway, I thought, I always thought that was funny when you first introduced, here, put this on your blister. Yeah, like slap it on, yeah, because it's like the friction yeah. is the culprit of yeah. blister. So if you, take away that friction like it's, it's no longer sock on skin or boot on skin it's just rubbing on the tape rubbing on the tape yeah yeah and that seems to work really well mm-hmm. and the, the thing is that i like with the duct tape um if you use good stuff like the gorilla brand duct tape shout out gorilla uh theirs stays stuck like if i put it on it'll stay on for five days oh is that what we oh, bought wow. in utah for my tent yeah Oh yeah, yeah, they come in camel too. So if yeah. you want to look all fancy. So so oh, in fans. in uh, Escalante, Utah, at the uh, uh, whatever fucking hardware store it was. Yeah. It's like some U.S. little regional chain, um, not home hardware, but whatever their version of it. Value hardware to value hardware. Um, the only duct tape they had was camo. Of course. Yeah, because it, it's it's one of those things where there's only two types of people out in that territory. <laughs> No, three types. <laughs> so there's the Mormons, because it's fucking Utah. And the polygamists. Well, that's the Mormons. Right. Uh, then there's the the good old boys. Do we have to edit this out? No, no. Okay. Um, but but like, you're never it, sure it, where this is going like to go. The, the, you know, the country living cowboy pickup mm-hmm. truck, um, you know. The yeehaws are not the yeehaws. Oh, uh, they're borderline yeehaws, but like they're legit cowboys. Like they okay, ride yeah, horses yeah, yeah. and they herd they cattle. Nice and, and they look nice in their jeans. And you're like, hey. You know, and then there's Howdy. like, there, there's all of us like uh, outdoor people, mm. right? It's like, oh, look, there's rocks. Oh, look, we're going backpacking. Oh, look, you know, look at the things. It's cool. We're going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, like basically everything we wear is wicking, you know. and Technical I, everything, technical underwear, technical yeah. socks. You know, thing. yeah, uh, and we're we're not going around in an ATV or or riding a horse. Mm-hmm. You know, we're on foot mm-hmm. or riding a mountain bike or you know. So that's the three people that we will run into in Utah. Yes, that's true. Um, that's very true. Yeah. So in Utah, nothing nothing against them, you know, because every Mormon I've met seems perfectly nice. Yeah, every you you. Utation, Uten, Uten. <laughs> Every individual from Utah um, has been lovely, and they have fantastic barbecue. Yeah. Um, they're, so they're, thank you, Utah. Their rule, rules on alcohol, I could. Uh, What's do the rule without. on alcohol? Uh, so basically, I've never any store I've been in Utah, like I've never seen like hard liquor, only beer and wine. 
Mm. Like you, you cross over into Arizona to get the good stuff. Oh. Uh, and yeah, so I could be full of shit. I just might have never seen it. But, you know, it is kind of a, you know, a no Sunday booze sales. Oh, and, God. Yeah. They do have White Claw, which I know I see a lot of like memes and people make on the internet making fun of it. But if you've never had White Claw, it's delicious. What it's, is White Claw? It's like uh, seltzer water, but with like a little bit of flavoring in it. And it's like in a 355 mil can and it's 5%. And you can cool. drink five of them and you're like, oops, I'm drunk. And it's... They were the best. They're so delicious. That hmm. sounds that sounds like a like a fancy wine cooler. But it's there's like no sugar and like all that stuff. Oh, so I can have it. Yeah, it's it's, it's keto. keto. <laughs> it is. Let me tell you, it's delicious. White claw. I'm White claw. It's okay. so good. I haven't seen it up in Canada, but like, oh, it's so refreshing. We were drinking it at Lone Rock uh, Campground. It's like chairs in the sand. And like my big Nalgene bottle just filled to nice. the top with white claw, and nice. you just got drunk on the beach. We'll it was have to awesome. Look for that next time. It's yeah. So, so, what kind of wraps do you have there? I see some. Yeah, just uh, I've got like a tensor. Um, I think just like a standard um, gauze. Yeah. And then for the most part, I have like a little sling um, triangle bandage. Which if you've ever had one of the fabric ones on home from the hospital, they're incredibly uncomfortable. Um, so if you can use anything else, I would probably want to use that. They're kind of tricky to actually tie on. You have to like do it a certain way. We always have our ADTs at work do it because I can never figure out how to do it. You think I could, but nope. Um, yeah. And then I have, uh, some tegaderms, which is good. Um, they're like a thin plastic kind of like membrane bandage that you can either get with like a little white spongy part in the middle or not but they're waterproof so they're good for like if you cool. have a cut on your hand that's a great that's a great addition to mine they're and can you buy where do you buy that drugstore okay over the counter so what we're gonna do for our listeners is a, we're gonna have an article and we'll put this less but we'll take a picture of some yeah. of these things and lay out nice and yeah yeah, yeah so be handy. what's your thought on uh like i guess trauma bandages and tourniquets because in the in the prepper kind of uh uh, bushcrafty, uh, you know, borrowed from the pseudo tactical world. Uh, there's a lot of talk about this stuff, mm-hmm. um, and everybody says, "Oh, you know, you got to have your whatever." Uh, fuck, I can't remember what they called, but you know, essentially, there there's some variation of like military tourniquets. Mm-hmm. Uh, They've got like a little, like a twisty, and then it locks in place. Um, there's more research now that before it was like, oh, you, you, you know, you put the tourniquet on and then you don't want the, you know, limb distal to it to like lose all circulation. So you let out a little bit, but then what ends up happening? So if you have like a huge lower leg wound or like arm wound or whatever, you put the tourniquet above that, like between the, um, cut and like the joint. So either be like the elbow or the shoulder or wherever, um, you put it as tight as it'll go and you'll know that you've gone tight enough because the person will be in agony and that's when you know it's going to be tight because the blood will have stopped and they will be begging you to take it off and you have to go no because the second you do and it's you loosen it a little bit the blood will flow and you'll pop the clot and the bleeding will start back over again so if it ends up being a um, life or limb situation, like you might have to lay on top of this person if they're, if mm. it's like an arterial bleed okay. and you're like, if I, if you take this off, like you will bleed out. Like there's no, gotcha. there's not a lot of leeway. If it's a venous bleed, you know, know the difference because arterial bleeds will actually like squirt. 
venous bleeds will be fast mm. but you won't get any airtime with them like they'll just bleed out they don't like hit the ceiling or mm. anything like that um but still if you're looking at it and you're like oh that's too much blood that's not in your body then you should put a tourniquet on if you're somewhere where you're not sure put the tourniquet on um there's never been a limb amputated due to proper tourniquet use because there's always uh microcirculation there's always those little tiny capillary beds that are still perfusing hmm. the limb won't die they're going to be in so much pain not just from like the tightness of the tourniquet itself but from the oxygen deprived tissues and the cut itself um so it's it's we had like a little um talk on this in, a, in my trauma course and they're like yeah they're gonna be you know what they're gonna be begging you to take it off but until you're in a center where the paramedics can assess it and go okay we can take that off or you're in a center that they can go okay we can take this off because if it's arterial and it starts bleeding again like you might not have the time that it will take to do the tourniquet up again mm. for the person wow. passes out or dies okay and that th- this actually makes a so don't uh, fall <laughs> have a tourniquet yeah you can get them on amazon for like 10 bucks and what do you what do you think one. of uh like clotting agent um or is that even a thing i i've heard about it i don't know too much about it to form much of an opinion i think as long as it's like for the general population if you're looking at a cut and you're like oh i think that's bone and like that looks really bad whatever you got put it in there like if it's a special bandage that might have it's like a, I think it's like a powder. Yeah. yeah I can't think of the name, but I, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, we'll call it Sir Clotzalot. Sir Clotzalot. So if it's something with Sir Clotzalot and you're looking at it and you're like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if I'm comfortable with leaving it. And I don't know if I'm comfortable with like making that decision of, you know, we're going to do X, Y, and Z because, you know, you might not necessarily have any medical training. Throw it on. Absolutely throw it on because it's better to throw it on and be like, oh, shit, we didn't actually need it. Then throw it on and you're like, oh, I really miss that person. Like, RIP, they bled out. Yeah. So so we're now, like, we're talking about what's in the first aid kit. And we'll, we're going to have an article about sort mm-hmm. of some suggestions uh, and how to put your own together. Mm-hmm. But the last couple of questions that have raised uh, uh, the whole thing of what kind of Outside of the gear, what kind of training should people get? Um, That's a really good question. I would say, like, as long as the class is, and it can be super dry, get your basic first aid. Mm -hmm. Because then that can give you enough um, experience and enough knowledge to know that if in, like, you know, you're on the AT, or even if you're in, like, a metro parking lot or something like that, and somebody, like, goes down or somebody hurts themselves and there is absolutely the bystander effect and your people are looking you're like, Oh, are you going to do something? And then are you going to do something? Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to do something? Yeah. You can just be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do it. So, you know, enough of a, you know, a basic situation. Like if something really major has, you know, happened and someone has internal bleeding, even like I can't do shit about that. And like, I work in a trauma center, like, or I worked, sorry, in a trauma center. <laughs> um, there's only so much that you can do in the situation and what you've with what you've been given. So either, you know, best case scenario, you're outside of London, Ontario on like Sifton Bog or whatever, and you trip and fall or you fall off a thing, you fall down a cliff, whatever, and you have major injuries, you're close enough to a trauma center that, you know, you got your best chance and 
no like very drastic um, intervention is going to be needed outside of the hospital. Whereas if you're like Wayne Algonquin, like for the bystanders and the people that are trying to attend to a person that's sick, like you're not expected to know how to manage every situation. Like you should it teach it like for the general first aid. I think it's run through Red Cross. They'll teach you if someone's having chest pain. You know what? I think that we should give them um, aspirin. So then you just give them aspirin and you try to call EMS. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone has a cut, you know what? That's bleeding really bad. Let's put pressure on it. No Don't pressure. Give Don't give them aspirin. <laughs> yeah. That's a bad thing. Um, put pressure on it. Okay, pressure's not working. Tourniquet time. You know, like it's just it gives you a good basic knowledge. And it should give you um, enough, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Enough um, confidence, more or less, to at least know what to suggest, if not necessarily know, you know, to take charge and know what to do in situations. Um, Even just like researching like your own stuff. So like say you are anaphylactic to bees or something like that. Mm -hmm know what you should have in your first aid kit so benadryl if you can get ranitidine because you we give ranitidine for anaphylaxis in the hospital you bring your EpiPen. um i don't know if solumedrol which is the other drug that we give um comes in a form that somebody can necessarily take out of the hospital um or like on the trail kind of thing but just knowing the things that you maybe are prone to or people in your party are prone to so you have the tools to set everybody up for as much success as can be expected. That's a key thing. Um, I now ask when I go backpacking with people, do you have any medical conditions? Oh, like, totally. And I don't even care if it's not current, but anything. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know because I think as a responsible backpacking partner, you let people know that. So that if something does happen, it's not a surprise. Right? Absolutely. Like, if somebody is diabetic and, say, they are controlled with, like, oral medications and they don't mm-hmm. check their sugars, mm-hmm. but they wake up one morning and they're super low and you're like, yeah. oh, my God, are they having a stroke? Because, yeah. like, they're, they can look really horrible and, yeah. like, sound horrible and, you know, they have one-sided weakness. And you're like, oh, my God, this could be really serious. But they just might need a juice. And sometimes that's all it takes. And sometimes it's an easy fix. Sometimes it's not an easy fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I guess... I, I, we're only going to be able to deal with uh, the, uh, I guess, more common um, kind mm-hmm. of ailments out there, because you know, uh, and that's sort of what you're you're packing for, because you're not gonna you're not gonna pack for World War Three. No, no and, and if you have a major situation, hopefully you've got a spot in reach or a garment, something you can hit SOS or call for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually a good thing to to bear in mind is first aid is about if it's not sort of just a, a cut that you can put a band aid mm-hmm. on is about keeping the person alive till, till they can the get pros to, can get yeah. there. Um, yeah. But if you, you know, can't get them to, or if nobody knows where you are, that all the first aid in the world isn't going to save you. Yeah. So it's it, like, um, the, the spot is that from Garmin? No, no, that's two different. That's just yeah, the spot. That's just from yeah. spot. Yeah. That's from spot. Mm. And then, then there's the Garmin InReach. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a number of different companies that are making satellite right. locator beacons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and if you're if you're not in cell reception, um, and that's something you should research wherever yeah. you're going. Um, quite honestly, you know, because I, I I sell them um, at work, and I will get people who it's like ah well you know it's kind of pricey. 
Oh, I think it's important. But, yeah. you know, but it's one of those deals of like, yeah, you use it once and it's worth a hundred times what you yeah. paid for. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. And then if you don't have it and you're like, oh, fuck, I really also, wish I had that. I think okay, it gives you die. more confidence to do stuff. And especially like I'm going to go solo backpacking in a couple of weeks and... Yeah, it's going to give you that confidence. It makes you feel better. Yeah. It does. It's I'll, your, it's your I'll be your check-in day. buddy. There you Thank go. You. It's like if you get like, if your intestines are like outside your body because you've got like mauled by a bear, at least someone who's going to find your body. Yeah. Or at least find your stuff. So. And they can have it. And use it. There you go. Yeah, um, <laughs> I also think it's important to have, and I wear it when I backpack generally, is my whistle. That way, if something goes wrong, yeah, this is more yeah. of an emergency. I need help, yeah. and I've got it. And we actually usually have a whistle system. If I whistle twice to you, it's like I need to talk to you. So yeah. Oh, that's on. a good idea. Yeah, because three yeah. times is the emergency. And you're like fuck. Right. So we we've developed <laughs> yeah. the thing of like two, Me. and then I'll do two back. On okay, I hear you. I'll come back. Yeah, I mean stop. That's a yeah. good idea because I'm faster. Yeah. Well, a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of backpacks in that little chest strap have like yeah. a little whistle. Those are great. So, yeah. like, if nothing else, except for when it's windy, because oh, they're, yeah. they're not super loud ones. You're like, eee. no, like, oh, wonderful yeah. wind. But I do yeah. have a, another question. Um, mm-hmm. What about um, sun sunstroke when you get too much sun? Like, what are ways? Is it just hydration and rest and get sun. as cool as possible? So, like, dump water on them, get yeah. them out of their hot clothes. Like, get them. Okay. You don't want to be insulating them, so like, get them a little bit naked. Dump water on them. Get them um, in the shade. Get them in the shade. Um, and if they, s- that's really all you can do when you're out. In the backcountry, like if you're in town, like if you have access to like ice packs, putting cold mm-hmm. um, or if, actually if you have if you're somewhere where there's like really cold water, get a water bottle or uh, a bladder and yep. fill it up and put it in like the the, the creasy points. So underneath your armpits and in your groin. Yeah. It tends to cool people um, down and heat them up faster. Actually, if you're hypothermic, hypothermic you, as uh, well. hot water yeah. bottles in your groin. Um, I get in the desert. I get incredibly dry lips. Is that because I don't have sunscreen on my lips? No, it's because there's you no humidity at all in the air. Yeah, maybe not just dry like lips, but they get that little red ring on the outside and then they start to crack. Um, but I, I, so it's a couple of things. I probably should have. Breathe uh, through your nose more. Oh man, I have lip chaps. Really? I have one in my car. I have like two in my work bag. I have one in every purse and I have Vaseline in my kit. Yeah, I'm totally soft and that's why I have like 30 of them. But having burning lips somewhere mm-hmm. it's the worst it's the worst i would take a horrible sunburn over burning lips because you just keep licking them and licking, licking them, them and, then and they, crack. they crack and then they burn and you're like oh i need to stop licking them and your mind's like lick them more but i do know that you need to drink more water too yes. right yeah. so that's another key thing Especially and if also pasty i found in utah when we were in the backpacking um i had super dry nasal passage so i got some saline solution yeah yeah so i think that's, that's worthwhile bringing with you there. that's important yeah um what about and i know we're talking more about summer backpacking but still winter mm-hmm. so hypothermia what are some of the signs to that do you know um you're not able to warm up regardless of like you know if someone's helping you try to warm up um you're once you get to a certain point your core body temperature you start getting a little bit sleepy um you're not as quick to like react um you know uncontrollable shivering like your lips might have a bit have a like a blue tinge um, so the, the thing to do with that is like, if you can build a fire, build a fire, um, 
if you can heat up some like water on your jet boil or whatever and like stick it inside of your um, coat into your creasy parts so underneath your armpits or in your groin mm-hmm. um, and yeah try to if somebody's to the point that they're because there's like everyone here has been like a little bit hyper hypothermic and you're like oh i'm really cold this is uncomfortable but you're not concerned like it's annoying and it's not great but you're not like concerned for your own life or limb kind of thing um if someone's getting to that point and they're like no 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 like we're gonna keep going on that whatever hike and you're like no we're not like we're done because if you go to sleep, you might not wake up. Yeah. Well, um, and I heard that there's a, dex- a dexterity test that if you can't take your point finger and your thumb it's and your touch pinky. it. It's your pinky. Or your pinky and do that, then there's... That, oh. And that can start being frostbite, not hypothermia. Is, it, is that frostbite? Not yeah. hypothermia? Like okay. basically, you're, you're, you're restricted dexterity in the hands. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, is it? Okay. So, um, and I heard about... I did some kind of winter survival thing, like a challenge thing, and mm-hmm. they talked about that, and they said that um, you may have to get somebody to strip down with you and go into a sleeping bag and warm up. Is that just for kinks, or is that for <laughs> <laughs> is that legit? No, that's that's, that's legit because like you are warmest at your like skin level, and every layer you go kind of beyond that, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not going to be as warm. So if you're in a sleeping bag and you're both in um, pants and you're both in a sweater, like. They're the they're cocooned in their own little tubular body, gotcha. you know, body warmth structure. Let's say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're down in your skivvies, like your thirty six point five degree skin is on their thirty four degree skin, so it's going to be easier to warm them up to a non worrisome body temperature. So I'm thinking about the time we were minus forty degrees in Queen Elizabeth Wildlands yep. around Christmas with Brooks, right? And we didn't expect it to be that cold. Um, And I was a, my sleeping bag was at the most minus 18. No, yours was a minus two with a sleeping bag liner. Okay, minus 12. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, but we were in a shelter. um, and With a big fire. With a big fire, Siberian log fire. And the shelter, the way it was um, prepared, we created it. We put like that, uh, for lack of better terms, saran wrapped it. Yeah, turned it into a super shelter. Yeah, which added another 10 degrees. So now I'm going from minus 22 to minus 22 or 12 to 22. So there's a difference. And I remember lying there and I was shivering, but I didn't feel cold. It was just shivering. So then Brooks, um, so I was in the middle. And of course, we did rotate every night, you know, because we all took turns being close to the fire to stoke the fire. And I had a really good pad. Because I had the, both the Z light plus my um, inflatable pad, so air mattress, so there's no issues there. And all he did was he lifted up his, you know, legs and put it on top of mine. Just that, like, brought all this warmth on me. So I was good. Mm. I actually did go to sleep. I didn't think I would sleep that night, but apparently I did because I was snoring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they all could hear me. But that was scared. I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Um, and I remember the other time we were at. Now this was at QW. Another time with Claudia and Ryan. It was it was not even minus ten, and my air mattress is nil because there was a leak in it. And I woke up a couple times, and the second time, I'm like, ah, oh, there's a problem here. Hmm. But at what point should you be afraid? I mean, like you just talked a bit about that, but um, would you have been concerned if I had not had that extra warmth and I was shivering? Like, at what point? 
Are there any neurological or, or well, it's when, when you, cognitive uh, signs? Yeah, like when you when you uh, aren't thinking straight. Mm-hmm. Okay. You start to get really like, dopey. Yeah, like when you when you go, hey, wait a sec, I'm shivering, but I'm not cold. Like you're thinking, right? Now the thing is that that you didn't do is communicate that because you didn't communicate it till afterwards. <laughs> you didn't communicate it in the moment. Yeah, I did. I totally did. Oh well, not to me. Yeah, I did. Uh, no, I did. And you said, here, put on this. No, you did. Oh, okay. You gave me another extra, my down blanket, which was, which did help. Yeah. You said, here, try this. And. Um, oh, because then, then if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I don't remember and, it the same and, way. And, I, and the way I resolved that was, because I didn't, I didn't think I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through the night. I thought, well, um, we're either going to do one or two things. I'll either sit by the fire. That was going to be my next move. Mm-hmm. I'll just stand by the fire and sit there all night. Yeah, because mm-hmm. by the fire was hot enough that it melted my bear canister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, that, and that would be fine. Uh, and move around. Because um, in, in that temperature, funny enough, is you just move around, you're fine. Mm. Right? As odd as that sounds. Or I would say uh, we're all eating, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got, you like, we either have something else to try and if yeah. it doesn't work, then you're like, I don't know. Yeah. But I think We're the fire now. would, have, I would have been fine just to yeah. around the fire. If it was hot enough to melt. Yeah. In that case, you would have been exhausted, but we were only for 45 minutes in. Oh, that's yeah. fine. It yeah. wasn't too bad. It was, it was basically the first time she'd ever been winter camping. Ugh. So it was like, we didn't go in very far. Mm. Yeah. I have a great, for this. what I say. National Geographic shot of my eyelashes all frozen and oh. my nose looks like it's going to fall off. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh my God, are you crazy? Yeah, it's like frost in her hair. <laughs> oh yeah, everything's oh all white. Yeah, it's a great shot. Yeah. But, um, and, and that, but that, that's the thing too. It's like when, when you are having any sort of health issue, you're cold, you're too hot, communicate with the people you're with. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Do don't feel that oh okay well I'll just everybody else is fine so I'll suck it up. You got to be smart about like what your limits are, and you're like yeah absolutely. There's uh, going to be a, a a limit of I don't say sucking up, but you know if you're sore or you're tired, then you got to suck it up for the good of group. But if you're at a point where like you don't have the right gear for the conditions, and maybe it's a totally different weather scenario than what mm-hmm. was supposed to happen. And they're yeah. like, Oh shit. Like we're all kind of fucked a little bit or, you know, you're just not prepared or like I'm permanently cold as soon as it gets like a little damp and a little crisp outside, like my hands and my feet are freezing. Yeah. Um, you gotta, yeah. Like you said, communicate to the group because if something happens and like you pass out or you, it gets to the point where it's harder for them to help you because you have that much further to kind of bring you back to your normal homeostatic self. Yeah. And that's sort of one of the biggest things is that uh, if there's just clear communication, then it sort of can be back and forth. And then it's like, oh, here's this idea. Here's this idea. Mm -hmm. Here's this idea. Um, because you know, in that, the, uh, that I can handle way more cold than you can. Oh, totally. If we needed to, then you take my sleeping bag and I'll take yeah. yours. And just as a side note to folks, um, another big thing that you can do too is, uh, consume more calories like fat. Oh, totally. It's if you're trying to stay warm and, and just think about too, it doesn't even have to be in the winter. Like if you're caught on a hike and somehow you get screwed and you're away from your shelter. It's right? wet and windy. It's wet and windy. It's cold. Oof. You're exposed. Um, I really like the emergency. I know this is not an emergency. This is more of a first aid kit, but I like to stick my emergency blanket in there because they're super warm. And if you've ever tried one, people, if, you, if you haven't tried one, you should. 
they're like a buck or two bucks, whatever. Um, I remember I did one after the, um, some kind of a 60K weekend time breast cancer walk, and they gave us one because it was a little chilly. I'm like, wow, this gives off a lot of heat. Cause it's, well, see, it's, it's not it's giving refi- off any. It's reflecting I, I know, it, back. It, it's just reflecting it back. But you underestimate what it can do, and in those conditions, it can be... make the make, Totally. Make when it also, they pack they up do. small, and they weigh like nothing. Weighs yeah. like nothing. And it cuts the wind. Yeah. You know. And, and if you can avoid things being a problem, like that really is the first aid. Yeah. Right? Prevention. Yeah. Like hike with poles so you don't bust your ankles. Use proper footwear. Totally. You know. Yeah. Um, basically. Take care of your feet. Stop mm-hmm. and, and, you know, hydrate and, mm-hmm. and eat properly. Um, all of these things then can avoid a ton of problems. Right? They can be the first aid when you actually get hurt. That's the second aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about dehydration because, um, and muscle cramps that, well, it's really dehydration. Do you have any, um, ideas about that? Except um, drink more fucking water. Yeah. Drink, drink more water. <laughs> Don't be afraid of like those, um, like electrolyte tab thingies. Mm-hmm. They're called like Mio. No. And you get them in like, they're like in a little tube and you drop oh, in your noon, water. Noon tablets. Yeah. That's noon. 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 Okay. Um, and like there's, uh, like gels you can have um, if you really want to get fancy with it. This also helps for hangovers also. Uh, Pedialyte. Because that has like all of the um, electrolytes and calories and stuff that you really need. And it's in a fairly small package. I feel like it might also come in a powder. So you could really take something like that with you anywhere. Like you can drink Gatorade. Gatorade's actually meant to be drank with water. Like it's not meant to be drank just by itself. So it actually hmm. does better for you to drink with water as well because it has so much in it if you stay on top of your hydration and replacing the electrolytes you're sweating out Mm -hmm. before you have a problem then it's sort of your actual first aid where you're you're not getting dehydrated and because most of the muscle cramps come from a depletion of magnesium Mm -hmm. right you're because you you know Mm. you're sweating it out you sweat Mm -hmm. out all the electrolytes Mm -hmm. like sodium potassium magnesium and zinc and selenium and you know um so I found racing bikes when I started, like I used to do endurance mountain bike racing and somewhere at the five or six hour mark, um, I would start getting these crazy muscle cramps and then I would like pound down like a handful of electrolyte tablets and then 20 minutes later, gone. Mm -hmm. You can probably just chomp on them. Like did you... They're super salty. Are they? Oh. Yeah. You could if you really needed to, but... Yeah. Don't, <laughs> we don't recommend it. Uh, but then, uh, then after that, I just started doing the thing of making sure, like, I then was able to get the same stuff in the electrolyte tablets, get it in a powder form. Mm. And so every bottle of water I drank had electrolytes in it. And then your body Stay ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so if you are, if it's hot, you're sweating a ton, um, it really helps. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a problem if you can't, if you don't make it a problem. Yeah. You know, and that that's where with a lot of these things, because when I think of any time that I've had dehydration, mm-hmm. um, 90% of them were avoidable. Totally. Uh, you know, I've had a few times down in the desert where yeah, I that, misjudged water sources. Well, that, that's why. <laughs> and you why just had to go till you got there. Yeah, that's why I really like the bladders, because you're pretty consistently sipping on water mm-hmm. versus having oh, yeah, to stop, stop and take then, it out. Yeah. yeah. Something else I think that's really important is nutrition. I was listening to a really good episode. Um, I forgot her name, but so the idea is that a lot of people, I lose my appetite when I backpack. So I actually eat less. 
in quantity versus what I do here in normal civilization, right? So people typically consume about 2,000 calories. So this lady was talking about when she first did the Triple Crown, Mm -hmm. she was only consuming 2,000 calories, which is crazy, right? Where what she finally, when she figured it out, she needed to consume more like 4,000. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. And some people even more. And that's even low. Yeah. Um, so I think that that point was well taken because she and, and I've experienced it, too. Um, I had an epiphany where I'm like, holy shit. Skittles is like fuel jet. Uh, jet fuel. Jet fuel. It <laughs> <laughs> is like jet fuel. I am just like buzzing by. And it's also painkillers help, too, if you're yes. feeling it. Right. Um, but, um, not necessarily what you typically see in your first aid package, uh, kit, but the point is, is nutrition and knowing what, um, energy drinks or gels or candy or sugar can do for you along with protein. Oh, totally. It's really yeah. important and, and it, for uh, feeling good. Yeah. Cause a lot of times if you're somebody who is bodies acclimatized to, to, uh, you know, burn fat, Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I tend to find guys, uh, cause I found this with training athletes, guys can go longer, even though generally we have a lower body fat percentage than women do, me mm-hmm. notwithstanding, um, uh, that guys can go longer, um, without running out of gas. Mm. Really? Um, you just, I thought it was women that were better at endurance. Well, and basically, um, that's if they're getting some food in. Gotcha. Like, and I think it, part of it can maybe due to testosterone or the fact that guys have bigger muscles, which then in turn means they can store more glycogen. Mm. So, you know, yeah, chicken yeah, yeah. and the egg. Gotcha. But like, uh, I can tend to go longer uh, without eating than you can. Well, the other thing they were talking about, they were talking about, yeah. was the idea that if you carry more body fat on you, you're, you can you can probably tap into that too, too as well. Whereas if you're a very thin person, you really need to be on top of. Yeah, because if you don't eat calories. enough calories, you're going to start breaking down tissue, exactly. whether it be fat or muscle. And someone who has, because you use fats first, because your body's like, oh no, like we need to keep this muscle. So it's going to be fats. So if you're, say you're like, there's two people that are starving and one is like way thin, the other one's like an average person. The average person is probably going to be able to go longer um like either like survive terms or um being able to you know be searching for food or something like that longer than the waif thin person because you start breaking down the muscle and you're you lose your strength whereas if you break down your fats first you still have your actual physical muscles to carry you over mm-hmm. the next hill in search of food or whatever yeah mm-hmm. so if you got a little a couple extra pounds you're ahead of the game yeah have so. that dessert that's right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So anyway, I hope you guys learned something today, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about, uh, you know, how to build your own first aid kit. You know, we're going to have links to the articles on sort of suggestions and all that kind of jazz. Um, and you can also buy some ready-made first aid kits. Mm-hmm. Um, the only downfall, they don't tend to have the medications in them. I should mm. market my own. Ooh. You should. You should actually. <laughs> That's actually, I might do that. Emily, Let Emily's me know if anyone's in, interested. You know, we'll have no, to get, like, hook you up with, the, you know, one of the uh, outdoorsy companies. Oh my God, I could. You know. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you've got questions, uh, 
Emily's on Instagram as the backcountry nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, send them her way. Yeah, get uh, at me. And it was it was fun because when we got here, Emily was verifying some things with her husband Ryan, who's a a, a newly minted ER doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was like, what's the daily dose? Because in for Tylenol, you need you can have up to four grams. So like if you take two extra strength, that's uh, nine seventy five or like a thousand. So you can do that four times a day. But I was like, oh my god, what's the like max dose per day? So I was like, Ryan, what's the dose? And it's nice. I have like a little pharmacist and physician and yeah. all things. It's like it's it, my it, husband. Playing doctor's weird though. <laughs> <laughs> it takes on a whole new meaning in this house. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> bear you know. <laughs> bear. <laughs> anyway, so uh uh um, this is probably gonna be the last time that we get to talk to Emily for a while because she's yeah. going out west. Yeah, I'm going out west. Yeah. Yeah. That's so exciting. So so you will have to uh keep us in Mm-hmm. Uh, informed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and in touch. Uh, you've got a YouTube channel now, don't you? Um, yeah, I started it and then I put one video on and then I got really busy with wedding planning and then I never went back to it. But now I have time because the wedding is over. And once we're done packing up the house, then um, I'll have time for things. And you have to make great. like lots of road trip. I know. Well, we're going to Switzerland and Italy for three weeks. And then we're going out west. So now the only problem is, is that we we've on the podcast and on your Instagram, you've let everybody know you're married. So I know. Uh, Sorry, boys. <laughs> yeah. So you can't keep that 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 allure in the background. That, like, of, oh, is maybe, she available? Uh, like, ooh. maybe they have a chance. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> when are you going to Switzerland and Italy? Uh, we leave in nine days. So we leave on the twenty third. So, so exciting! By so the time this airs, I will be in Italy. So what did you decide about Switzerland? Last we spoke, we were talking about, yeah. So we, um, I'm very interested in the cheese and the hiking. Mm-hmm. And Ryan is very interested in the hiking, less so the cheese. Um, but it's it's a really cool spot. Like we're going to be staying in uh, Gimmelwald, which is like this tiny little mountain town where nobody has cars and you have to take a gondola up. So we have to do that like how at least like twice a day for four or five days. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. And then we're going to that city where, or that town where the artist who did, I think it was Alien versus Predator. He's from there. So there's like an Alien versus Predator themed cafe Oh, and it's really cool. Or like a little restaurant thing. Cool. Cool. So I'm going to say that when mm-hmm. I was in, uh, Mount Schweetz, um, we were hiking up it and lo and behold, there's a little fridge on that mountain trail with <gasps> I cheese. I have heard about these. <laughs> They're like cheese and some other, um, homemade products yeah it's like that's on the honor so system carry some, or like carry some money like, with you yeah absolutely some of them uh swiss francs yeah. or mountain cheese or are they use the euros it's, it's francs. the francs yeah oh okay francs so they they're part of europe but they said fuck you to the euro pretty much that's the swiss what are you gonna do <laughs> can't get mad at them they do they have their own technology yeah they have some that's really cool true. inventions yeah. yeah but anyway we're gonna sign off this episode and uh, like I said, hopefully like, uh, you guys learned something. Everybody stay safe out there. Mm-hmm. Don't freeze. Don't burn. Eat enough. Drink enough. Don't d- get too many cuts and bruises yeah. and, and stay the fuck away from the ticks. Yep. Um, so remember, permethrin for everything. <laughs> um, so until next time, work hard, play dirty. Bye. Bye.